Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 565. And I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. Agent of I'm here. Hey, <laughs> I am present. Yay, we did it. We are present. Lorraine, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're winding down summer. I'm trying to get in the last sort of frolics of the season before it starts to cool down and I'm in sweater weather. How are you, Ryan? I'm okay. Catherine has a little summer cold, which is like par for the course for... Yeah, welcome to having a toddler. It's disgusting. Um, (laughs) But it's it's terrific. I'm getting ready to do my first big trip in a while for D23 Expo. And then we're having conversations about New York Comic Con and, you know, all kinds of stuff happening. I know. It's like the kids go back to school, but we also go back to school because (laughs) suddenly (laughs) there's lots of things to do. So back to school for everybody. Get your pencils and your erasers and your backpacks. All right. Let's get into things because this is the official Marvel podcast where we talk about what's happening this week in Marvel from games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we are excited about. And uh, stay tuned to the end of this episode because we have a very special Marvel Insider code for you folks. You'll definitely want to stick around to the end. If you're not already a Marvel Insider, go over to marvel.com slash insider and sign up. You get points for doing stuff like listening to this podcast or reading articles over on marvel.com. All the stuff you're probably already doing, but you could be getting points and you can use those points towards cool stuff. So why aren't you doing that? But anyway, stick around till the end of the episode. Got a lot to be excited about. This week, we're excited about, you guessed it, our pal She-Hulk. I'm very excited for this episode because we have stars of Marvel Studios She-Hulk, attorney at law, Tatiana Maslany, who plays Jennifer Walters herself, as well as Ginger Gonzaga, who plays her BFF, Nikki. They're so phenomenal on the show. So funny. So delightful. Very excited to have their interview coming up in just a little bit. Did you watch episode two, Ryan? I did. I have. Yes, of course. In the second episode, we see more of Jennifer Walters' family and and Mm -hmm. like her dad. And I was like, Who's her dad? He looks so familiar. I did it too. Yeah. And then I was like, Cousin Lottie. (laughs) Yeah, of course, it's uh, Marklin Baker, who is a wonderful actor, but like for Lorraine and myself and probably some of our listeners, so formative for us as Larry Appleton on Perfect Strangers. Absolutely. But the episode is so good. I love all of like the family cringiness in the best way possible. I was just like, this is so like wonderfully relatable of family dinner when something is going wrong in your life. It's so great because it's a family who now has two hulks in the family and like figuring that out and what that means to them. I love it. It's so fun. And of course, with Jennifer Walters having to figure out her career options and all what that means for the future of her life and the series. So, so good. Of course, episode two of Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law is out now only on Disney Plus. So go watch that. And of course, when's the next episode? Next Thursday, watch episode three of Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law only on Disney Plus. But also coming up for Disney Plus, lots more because Disney Plus Day is on September 8th, right after Labor Day. And this year, the Disney Plus Day event is going to lead into D23 Expo, the ultimate Disney fan event, which is presented by Visa in Anaheim, California. And that runs from Friday, September 9th through Sunday, September 11th. And Disney Plus Day is going to deliver even more excitement to subscribers with additional content. 
content that's going to be premiering globally on September 8th, as well as celebrations across Disney parks, experiences, products. Ryan's going to be there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a whole thing. But on Disney Plus Day, which is kicking everything off, we got to have some Marvel goodness. So, of course, Marvel Studios' Thor Love and Thunder will be coming to Disney Plus on Disney Plus Day, September 8th. It joins 15 other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that are now streaming in IMAX Enhanced on Disney Plus. And with IMAX Enhanced, subscribers can enjoy IMAX's expanded aspect ratio at home, which provides up to 26% more picture for like a very immersive viewing experience. And it's no additional cost or device required. And the content availability varies by region. But for more information, you can go over to Disney Plus com slash welcome slash IMAX dash enhanced if you want to learn all about it. But at the end of the day, just go watch one of the most fun movies ever over on Disney Plus on September 8th. And that is paired with Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Thor Love and Thunder, which also arrives on September 8th only on Disney Plus. Lorraine, do you think the expanded aspect ratio means we get more thunder tush it can only mean we get more thunder tush a tush of thunder we'll have to watch and find out and also super cool from september 8th through september 19th select amc theaters will celebrate disney plus day with screenings of a bunch of movies including marvel studios thor ragnarok and tickets are five dollars per screening and available to everyone you don't even have to be a Disney Plus subscriber, but pretty sure you are anyway. And it's cool because attendees will receive a free Disney Plus poster while supplies last, plus special concessions offer will be available for Disney Plus subscribers. Tickets for that go on sale next week, September 1st. So we're just talking about the Marvel side of mm -hmm. these Disney Plus Day celebrations. Um, there's tons more if you're a Star Wars fan, if you're a Disney fan, there's plenty of things you can go check out the disney plus social channels for even more updates and details yeah and the hits just keep coming on over to the theaters because spider-man no way home is coming to theaters over labor day weekend you can finish your summer strong with spider-man no way home back in the movie theaters with more fun stuff that is on september 2nd it kicks off but tickets are on sale now so go get your tickets if you missed it on the big screen or you want to see it again and again you know, I think this is always so fun because there is nothing like seeing these Marvel films in the movie theater. There's just nothing like it. And if you missed it or you haven't seen it in a while, it's always really fun to go and revisit it. And this is really cool because there's going to be even more fun stuff that's in that movie that you didn't get to see the first time. So a little sprinkling of something new and exciting. What a way to end the summer, right? Yeah. All right, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, the core rulebook and adventure book. Because, you know, over the last couple months, we've had the playtest rulebook, which you can get at your local comic shop or game store. But we will have the fully updated and expanded core rulebook, which will feature all the rules for both new and seasoned players. It's basically all you need is the book, three standard six-sided dice, and maybe some friends. Or enemies who are willing to play games. Ooh, I like that. Then it gets <laughs> real intense. So the core book comes out June 2023, and then that rule book will be followed by a brand new adventure book on sale July 2023 called Marvel Multiverse Role-Playing Game, The Cataclysm of Kang. Whoa. And this book, yeah, right? You got to say it like that. The book includes new character profiles, features a series of six interlocked adventures. You can play through with a new team or character each time, form a campaign that takes players from street level heroes to cosmic champions. 
pretty, pretty cool. Both books will be available wherever graphic novels or books are sold. And if you're doing the playtest, I want to remind you guys, you can go over to marvel.com RPG and offer feedback about the game. And you can also get it on Amazon and Demiplane if you want to get it digitally. But also World 20 has it and they have a virtual tabletop so you can play online with your friends on virtual tabletop. And it has all the rules there and everything which I just think is really cool. So if you play online, check it out. We also did an interview with game designer Matt Forbeck on May 13th of this year. If you want to learn a lot more about the playtest and about the game and how they make it and all that jazz, highly recommend that interview. It's super informative and fun. What no one can see is Ryan is currently petting his cat with a tiny toy jet. Uh, Um, I just want everyone to know that you are Dr. Evil. (laughs) (laughs) One of my cats, Mimi, who is sort of the most affectionate lap cat that we have. She is down here locked in my office with me. So she's on my lap purring. And I picked up a small Starscream transformer using it like a brush on her. And she is loving it. So she's officially a Decepticon kitty cat. Obviously. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on. Invincible Iron Man number one is coming in December, written by Jerry Duggan, who's been just beating the heck out of every title he's on, including the X-Men. Artist Juan Vergari, who's been doing great work on Avengers, and that's going to kick off a whole new run of Iron Man solo title that will bring Tony Stark to his darkest depths. Invincible Iron Man is going to follow Christopher Cantwell's wonderful run on the title, which is concluding this November with Iron Man 650. That's a huge milestone. That's a whole lot of issues for Iron Man. And that issue is going to give fans their first glimpse of what's to come in this new chapter for Iron Man. So look out for that. And the new ongoing series is going to begin with Tony sort of reflecting on the highs and lows of his 60 years of history, including digging into some classic armors, maybe some uh, old wounds, some interesting defeats. So that'll be a really fun and cool look back at some Iron Man history. One of the things that I've been doing lately, a project that I'm working on is around Armor Wars, the original storyline from the 80s. And so I've been rereading some of that era of Iron Man with his beautiful mullet, some really great art by Mark Bright and Bob Layton and great stuff by David Michelinie. And it's a lot of fun. Iron Man has never been my guy. Mm -hmm. I loved Iron Man in the Marvel superheroes Capcom fighting game. And that was like my main touch point. But I've never been, you know, growing up, I wasn't a huge Avengers or Iron Man fan. And so like some of these books have not fully been in my wheelhouse, but I'm digging these old comics. Jerry's one of my favorite writers. He's one of my favorite people in comics. So I'm I'm super duper excited for this. But... It is going to be Iron Man's 60th anniversary, so stay tuned for more fun stuff this coming year. It's going to be a big year for Mr. Stark. Yeah, I think next year's going to be, we have a lot, a lot happening next year in terms of anniversaries. We have a lot happening every year, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> That's, I know. That is the future. That's kind of why we do this show. Also, I got to say, one of my favorite characters, Monica Rambeau, has a Photon series come in. It's her first solo comic series, which is Bucket Nuts. It's a limited series coming in December. It's written by Eve L. Ewing, who obviously crushed it on Ironheart. And it has art by Michael Santamaria. And I'm just going to read some of what it's all about. 
From the New Orleans Harbor Patrol to the Avengers to the Ultimates, Monica Rambeau has been a leader and team player her entire life, but now she'll face a reality-shattering crisis that she'll have no choice but to take on single-handedly. The adventure begins when Photon is charged with making a very special, very cosmic delivery. What should be light work? Get it? Oh, boy. (laughs) For Monica becomes increasingly complex and dangerous due to a threat from beyond and family drama. I love her first issue. It just brought me joy because I think a lot of people don't realize, if you haven't read those old comics, that she was in the New Orleans Harbor Patrol. And they were basically like, we won't give you a promotion. And she's like, I'm out of here. I don't need to take this. And then she goes on an adventure and gets superpowers. But her, her largest gift was that she knew how to drive a boat. If you're going yachting with anyone in the Marvel Universe, you better bring Monica Rambeau. She's going to know how to get into it. Yeah. And if you are eager for some Monica comic stories before this launches in December, she will be appearing in the new Thunderbolt series, which launches next week. I've read the first issue. I have to always have to remember when I read things and when they come out. But the new Thunderbolts number one, she shows up in that book and it's freaking Monica Rambeau. She rules so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go check that out. One thing real quick, the re-release of Marvel Masterworks, they're calling them Remasterworks, which I I think is fun. Masterworks, I have a friggin' ton of them. They were, Mm -hmm. for the longest time, these really nice, high-quality reprintings of really seminal, mostly 60s, but also some 40s and 50s comics. So classic stuff like Amazing Spider-Man, the first bunch of issues, Fantastic Four, first bunch of issues, X-Men, first bunch of issues. And now we're going to have these new versions with improved restoration, expanded bonus material, including scans of original art, essays, covers from other collections of the material, house ads, creator bios, and more. We don't talk a lot about reprints, but these are cool. If you want a really nice solid, you know, affordable way to get some classic Marvel comics. It's a great way to do it. We also have, I mean, we've been doing a bunch of these recently. We have Abrams is doing really great stuff. Penguin Random House with a Penguin Marvel Classics and and Toshin. And like, there's a, a million ways. Yeah, there's so many good things. I really love when they keep the house ads in. I, I like to see the little old Charles Atlas ads telling you to get buff, get swole. They're super great. But on to more new comics, there is a new tease for The Sins of Sinister, and the tagline is, this is the future Sinister wants. Um, As we know, Mr. Sinister, he's a wild geneticist who is hell-bent on, I don't know, messing with the (laughs) X-Men is essentially it. But this should be really, really fun. I love Sinister. He's like, he has so much flair. He loves, like, a fancy outfit, a deep V. He mm. wears a gem on his face. Like, he's just, he's a fancy lad, and he I love it. He would be the meanest judge on RuPaul's <gasps> Drag Race, and you would love <sighs> him so much. Oh, my God. Put him on, like, literally any any judging panel for, he would just destroy people emotionally. But in this series, there is a new world, a new disaster, and Mr. Sinister's plans They come to fruition beyond his wildest dreams and his darkest nightmares, question mark. Um, (laughs) So I'm excited to see what sort of mess Mr. Sinister has created for himself and the X-Men coming in January of 2023. All the Sinister stuff during this Age of Krakoa has been Mm -hmm. ab-fab, absolutely (laughs) fabulous. Love it so much. Please, if you are not familiar with Mr. Sinister... 
go read some current X-Men comics. Read the Immortal X-Men. He's been really good in the Hellions book. He was Mm -hmm. just terrific. And there's a lot of stuff. Every time he pops up, especially as Kieran Gillen has been writing him too, just tremendous. All right. On to some podcast stuff. First up is one of my other shows, Marvel's Pull List, which is the show where we give previews and and fun hype about the new comics releasing every week. Plus, we look at other stuff and we do reading clubs of older comics. And this week we have writer and Spider-Man super fan Preeti Chibber to do a reading club around the perfect comic book series that is called Spidey. And I say this completely serious. I know it is hyperbolic to say it is a perfect comic book series. But Spidey is 12 issues long. It is about a teenage high school era Spider-Man, and it is perfect. It is written by Robbie Thompson, has art by a number of amazing artists. It is so good, so full of heart, so funny, so beautiful. Issue number Mm -hmm. 10, if nothing else, go read Spidey number 10 is where Spidey teams up with Captain America. I posted some pages of it on my social recently. It is so good. So we just sort of like lose our minds talking about how much we love this series and so much more. So that's on the episode this week. We also, there's a bonus article on Marvel.com about the reading club and our interview with Preeti. And then our picks for new Marvel comics out this week are Amazing Spider-Man number eight, Fantastic Four number 46, which is the last issue by Dan Slott of his four-year run. So good. I can't believe it's already been four years. I know. And then issue number two for Defenders Beyond, which is some of the wildest, coolest comic books we are putting out. Please go check out all those books and the podcast. Yeah. Also, another podcast on the horizon, Marvel's Voices. It's back for its sixth season, hosted by our pal Angelique Rocher. And this season's theme is Marvel, a window to our world, focused on the global influences of the Marvel Universe and how the nationality of writers and artists working for Marvel has expanded, leading to a more sort of widespread cultural influence coming into the Marvel Universe. The trailer and episode one are both out right now, and they're kicking off the season with Janice Chang, the first Chinese-American woman letterer at Marvel, talking about the cultural influences on her art as a first-generation American, her continuing journey as an artist in the comics industry. And then there are going to be future episodes that are going to feature creators like Peach Momoko from Japan, Doton Nakande and Murawa Ayodele from Nigeria, and Alejandra Lopez from Puerto Rico. They're going to be guest hosts for a few episodes as well, bringing in their own experiences, creators into the conversation. It's wonderful. Make sure that you go and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, you can get both Marvel's Voices and Marvel's Pull List on the SiriusXM app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Go listen to them right now. But first, you got to listen to our interviews, because as we mentioned at the top of the show, we've got two of the stars of Marvel Studios, She-Hulk, attorney at law. First up is Tatiana Maslany, who plays She-Hulk a.k.a. Jennifer Walters, in the series. She was interviewed by friend of the show and Marvel.com editor, Rachel Page. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on and talking with Tatiana for us. They talked about, you know, the responsibility she feels in the She-Hulk role and how she and Ginger Gonzaga, who plays Nikki Ramos, we're going to hear from her in a little bit, how they hit it off right away, all that and more right now. Hello, Tatiana. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. I'm very excited to talk about She-Hulk. What is your Marvel origin story? How and when did you first come across Marvel stories and characters? 
it was fairly recent and and I feel like the first Iron Man was kind of my my first entry into the like MCU. And then really when I got this job and when I was prepping it was when I started to dig into like the comics and then that, you know, led into watching more films and more TV shows and stuff like that. What does it mean for you to bring an incredible and beloved hero like Jen Walters, not just to the MCU, but to the whole wide world? Yeah, it's so exciting. I mean, like I said, I didn't really know She-Hulk before this. Like I knew of her image. I'd seen her before and I kind of knew the name, but to like read that she's been around since the 80s and that there's like a voracious fan base for her. That's maybe a like little niche. I love that. You know, I love that idea. And and I think that she's weirdly of our time in a lot of ways because of there's like a real meta nature to the comics and the ideas around like narrative and ownership of your story, that kind of thing. And now there are two Hulks in the show. We've got Jen, we've also got Bruce. What was it like working with Hulk veteran Mark Ruffalo? And did he give you any tips and tricks? He was wonderful. He's the most amazing. And he he like physically embodied this character for 10 years and so gets it, but also like comes to set every day with this openness and this curiosity and this sense of like this sort of idea that he's never done it before and he's discovering it right now. You know, and that openness as an actor is such a dream to play opposite. It's such a generous place. So it it was like two babies in like mocap suits who got to like <laughs> roar at each other. And how do you make Jen relatable and fun while also making her a brand new character of her own? That's all Jessica Gao. The writing is the reason I wanted to do this show because it was so smart and so funny and not what I expected. You know, because the MCU feels like this huge thing, but this was like, we were talking about like minutia, everyday stuff and like weird questions about, you know, Captain America's sex life. And that to me is like, that's how my brain works too. It felt effortless to like get into her and to relate to her. And right away in the first episode, She-Hulk is breaking like every single typical Marvel mold we've seen many times before. Do you remember any of the early conversations with the creative team, whether it be Jessica or Kat or even Kevin, just about like creating this brand new space for Jen? Yeah, I think the direct to camera address was like a thing that shifted throughout the production and Jess tried different versions of it in the writing and we we tried different versions of it how it would manifest, who would talk to camera if it was just Jen, if it was just She-Hulk, if it was both, you know. So it became fine-tuned by the last edits of the series. I think Jess just really wanted to sort of, in, in a lot of ways, like pay homage to the comics, which sort of tear it all down, you know, and like really look at the mechanism in which She-Hulk is operating. And so talking to the camera, all of those things are like this way of totally pulling back the curtain in like the most meta way you possibly can. And I think that was like the mischief underneath of the intention behind the show. I'd love to talk about Nikki because I love Jen and Nikki's friendship. I just like, I'm jealous. I don't have a Nikki in my own life. I know. Cause like I've watched every episode Like I've realized throughout the whole thing, like Nikki is kind of Jen superhero in a way, because like Nikki is pulling so many strings behind the scenes. Can you talk about working with Ginger to create that friendship that like completely translates on screen? Yes, I love that idea. I mean, Ginger and I, I feel like it was just very natural between us. You know, the first day that we shot together was her and I in the bar, only in those scenes of about friendship. Like, it's really about that. And and that felt like it set us up for this 
reminder of that's what the show is about and that's what's important and that's what's actually very revolutionary about this show is that it sort of centers this friendship as like just as important as any big thing that's happening in the (laughs) in the universe you know what I mean like these dynamics are just as important and she's just so open you know those first days we were just improvising and playing and trying things and like figuring ourselves out and I felt very safe doing that with her because her brain works faster than anybody I've ever met. And so it's just like you throw something at her and she's going to throw you 600,000 other better things <laughs> back. So it's it's really effortless. I talked to Ginger earlier and she was saying that like her goal on set was just to make you laugh. And uh-huh. that like that Nikki, she just wanted to make Jen laugh. Yes. How do you think you two evolved the characters as you went throughout the show? I think we just leaned into what was really there between us, which was a lot of like love. Like she would come to set and it would be this like spark of energy, you know? And I was like maybe exhausted from whatever, but she would always bring this energy. And that's true to who they are as well. You know what I mean? It just really did feel like it was like us stepping stepping onto camera as, as our own dynamic. And there was something about like the joy of the femininity that the two of them spark in each other. It really is joyful to be a woman, you know, and it's tough and it's all that, but they have this friendship. And so it's fine. Now there are so many characters in the show. It's like a revolving door of characters. What was it like just introducing basically like a character of the week every single time? And how did you keep up with all of these different Marvel characters coming in and out? Well, I mean, we had all these like great cameos, you know, and, 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 and and everything. And that always like reminded me, oh yeah, we're making a Marvel show. You know what I mean? It was like, suddenly I was inside of a TV screen. It was, it was super cool. But then we also had these amazing like actors, like who's like truly my idol <laughs> came to set. And I was like, when I found a who's cast, I was screaming. It really is like a great ensemble of total goofballs. And that's, that's the best. Now I could spend the rest of the time talking about I would like to talk about female rage. Yes. And how the whole season is basically just about like how females process their emotions. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about like laying that groundwork of how like the show is very much walking the line of like, this is what it needs to be a woman, but also like we are a Marvel show at the same time. Yeah. I mean, all of these, you know, superhero stories are allegories about something. And, and the fact that She-Hulk is like an offshoot of Hulk is already in itself says something. Do you know what I mean? Like that already is that notion of like, oh, well, let's just like put a woman into a man's role. And there we've dealt with feminism happened (laughs) or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And also like the way that we navigate anger with Jen. So initially she's sort of confidently able to deal with it because she's spent her entire life being angry or afraid. So that transformation into She-Hulk is effortless. It doesn't have a bunch of torture in it. It doesn't have a bunch of violence in it. It's clean because that's how she's learned to deal with her emotions. Her rage, what I always wanted it to be was justified. And it's only because of the outward perception of that anger and how it looks from the outside that it looks monstrous, that it becomes monstrous. I just knew that we were weaving a story within like highly comedic, goofy moments that was leading to something deeply intense and moving and 
political and all of it. There are so many layers. I love it. What are you most excited for viewers to see? How different every episode is and how, like you're saying, like you weave in these little emotional things, but I think that it really goes to an unexpected place. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, that was so fun. And now, as promised, we have Ginger Gonzaga, who plays Nikki Ramos in Marvel Studios, She-Hulk attorney at law, again, interviewed by our pal Rachel Page. And this is really cool. She's been into the comics for a long time, and she talked a lot about Nikki's amazing costumes and how she got to sort of contribute to that. And it's fun because she makes some references to some of the same stories as Tatiana. So it's like you're getting to hear a love story from both sides. A friend love story. It's so nice. So let's take a listen to that right now. Hello, Ginger. How are you? Thanks for having me. What is your Marvel origin story? How and where did you first come across Marvel stories and characters? When I was younger, we had a local comic book store and they had an art contest. And so my brothers and I joined it and I won, which was really surprising and weird. And then they gave us a gift certificate So I didn't really know much about comics. So I split it with my brother and we just kind of collected whatever was there. You know, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just thought it was fun. So, you know, in that time, I I think we probably had like Captain America and stuff sticks out. And that was the first time. And then later in life, just in comic books in general, my friend is Kat Staggs, who draws for a lot of the DC comics. And I was a model for a lot of her drawings. But Marvel's my favorite, if you ask me. Okay. No, perfect, perfect answer. (laughs) Nikki is honestly the best friend we all wish we had. What was it like building that relationship with Tatiana on screen? Dude, it wasn't hard. It was weird and magical and easy. I was telling everyone we had a chemistry test on Zoom. And in that chemistry test, Kat had to keep telling us to stop talking to each other because we kept being like, and like just instantly talking in between takes. And she had to remind us that it was an audition. And, you know, it's on Zoom. So we didn't know how many people are actually watching this. Like to us, we can only see ourselves and we're like, and gabbing back and forth. So she was just instantly like a buddy and someone I can trust and someone who I I love as a person. I'll, I hope I have Tatiana in my life for forever. But none of that was hard, which was so great. And we started the first day with, with a scene with us together, just being buddies, like just being homies. So yeah, she's just, it's just one of those easy things that I'm glad that she's a rad person. And I don't have to be like, oh God, let me try to pretend like I'm best friends with this girl. You know, what I mean? It's just like easy, made my job very easy. Now, if Nikki got superpowers, what do you think she would want for her superpowers? Nikki would want all the things that would allow her to like sneak into situations and get away with murder. You know, she's always kind of like going off on her own and doing things that are borderline illegal because Jen's not going to do it. So I love that. I also love Dazzler. She would want anything where she can get away with things. Yeah. (laughs) And now... I love that Nikki is kind of Jen's superhero a little bit. Like Jen doesn't realize how much Nikki is like doing behind the scenes for her. <laughs> Thank you. It's almost like this weird, like there's so many jobs. I've seen so many jobs in life where, you know, you're shocked that people pulled off some major feat, you know, even especially in like the film business. And you're like, 
that person was asleep at the wheel. How did they pull it off? And it's because it's always these other people that are like, I'm not going to let this ship go down. You know what I mean? So they're meddling and they're doing all these other things. So it kind of has like that weird element to it where it's like, oh, thank goodness uh, we had that. And I keep joking that if the world is saved by She-Hulk, don't forget that, you know, Nikki encouraged her to do all the things and like take all the credit. But um, yeah, Nikki like loves it. She gets a kick out of it. She wants it to happen and she's so reckless and brave. And so she's kind of like that person you go out with and like all of a sudden you have this like crazy night or you you do these crazy things and you're like, what possessed me to do that? Ah, dang it. It was my friend, Nikki, you know? So in that way, she's uh, kind of uh, Jen's little superhero. <laughs> yeah. It's like behind every She-Hulk, there is a Nikki. Yes. Like, yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> What was it like? Because you talk about like hitting off right away with Tatiana, but like, what was it like actually building the chemistry in those scenes? Because like, there's such a like stark contrast between the two of them. Yeah, that's what's so nice. I think the goal for me as an actor is like, you know, Nikki's love language is kind of like, make people laugh and make things not so serious and just be silly about things. And so that also calms, it both ignites Jen's anxiety and can calm it. So for me as an actor, it's just like, I want to make, as an improviser, I want to make Tatiana laugh. You know, I want to switch it up so that Tatiana laughs. And I want to give and give and give so that Tatiana, she likes every take to be different too, just like I do. So it's like, how can I give to Tatiana in a way that she's having fun? And Nikki wants Jen to have fun. So it ends up being like the same goal for me to Tatiana as it is with me to Jen, which is rare. Like you can't do that with every kind of like relationship. And and we would do a lot of silly things. Like, you know, whenever we were too stressed, we would have dance parties. We would play stupid songs and dance with her dog. Like she loves that. Her dog loves that Gasolina song. So we would, we would be like idiots before a scene and have like miniature dance parties. And sometimes if it was a long day, you know, we would be like, okay, we're in our own little bubble. Let's just go in and be children and play this scene real quick. So it was a lot of just like a lot of being friends in real life and trusting each other and and being vulnerable as, as, as actors and, and supporting each other. I always have Tatiana's back as an actor and as a person and as a friend. And that's how Nikki is for Jen. So it works so well in that way. I'd love to talk about Nikki's wardrobe because it is absolutely fabulous everything she wears I'm just like I wish I could own that <laughs> like did you have any input in creating that like how much fun was it to wear that wardrobe yes my joke is that they stole clothes from me because they actually bought a lot of pieces that were mine and I inserted myself into the wardrobe situation and they allowed me to do so so I'm grateful to Ann Foley she's like this like jewelry genius and I don't really think on jewelry so I would show up and there would just be like awesome jewelry every day for Nikki. But, you know, I, I cared so much about how Nikki looked and I wanted her to be cool and I wanted her to look defiant and I wanted her to be high fashion and I wanted her to be, you know, smart with that type of artistry. And it's also something I care about in my real life. So, you know, I I would kind of shop as well for Nikki on my own and also donated in, or they bought some of my own clothes. So it was a really good mashup of, of myself and the costume designer to make this character. And I designed the makeup looks and Steven would execute them. And, and we, Renee always had cool hair for me. So it was like this big thing to make Nikki. And then we named each look after something. So I have a female Pharaoh look. I have a gumball look. I have a fruit stripes gum look. I have a Ocasio-Cortez look. And it's also some weird high fashion work appropriate asterisk version of that, you know, and uh, it was a lot of work, but it's, you know, it's very creatively fulfilling for me. So I'm grateful to Marvel for allowing me to do that and for, and for putting up with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like Nikki is amazing from start to finish the entire time. Thank Love you. So much. 
friend. And now an underlying tone for the full season is simply just like how females process their emotion, especially rage. Yes. Makes a comment very early on that like in episode one, like anger's nothing new to her. She's been dealing with it her whole life. Can you talk about exploring that idea throughout the series? I love it because, you know, we're showing kind of like the human experience and what's funny about that and what's sad about that or difficult. And we're showing a lot about the female experience as we should now that we kind of get the right to, right? You know, it's not always female writers. It's not always female creators. It's not always a female superhero. So when you get the opportunity, you got to do it and you got to gaggle as all the women and all the smart people on this set and put it in there. But um, yeah, I love how in the pilot, she talks about how she knows how to deal with rage kind of because she's been forced by the patriarchy to contain it, you know, which is not healthy and not fun. And so I like how I like for the world and and for women in general to kind of have a really healthy amount of rage. Like, I don't want people to contain it. You know what I mean? If we're not mad about injustices, if we're not mad about being diminished or silenced or marginalized or called, you know, difficult for having an opinion or called a million different awful pejoratives that they will call women that they won't call men when they're having thoughts or being creative. You know, I I don't want that. So I want people to be upset by that, right? So it's a healthy amount of rage. Like, let's be mad at this status quo, right? And then push through that in a way that we can find a way to create some sort of change and have a smarter dialogue about it. And so that's what's so cool about cinema is you can, so Jessica Gao and, and Kat and Anu and, and myself and Tatiana, we are all women with that experience. And we have all had a certain amount of, you know, that process of rage. And then, so the next step is, well, how can we make a change? Okay, cool. So we infuse it into this creativity, right? So now it's a conversation piece. Now we're tickling people's brains and forcing people to be like, hang on a second, that has happened to me. And that's not okay. Oh, I remember when I normalized that and that wasn't right. And the mirror is provided kind of to everyone in society. And it's also done through comedy. So it's in a, it's in a palatable way that allows people to feel comfortable with being self-aware and also kind of declaring more ownership of their power of being unapologetically them. Yeah. So I guess that's the longest answer to the question that you had, but I do think a healthy amount of rage is great. Reactive rage is bad, but it's all about learning when it's appropriate. And I do think that there, I think women have every right to be mad. Yeah. And I love that as the series progresses, like Jen learns like how that works, like how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. It is so clever and nuanced to be like, hang on a second. Like, no, like I don't want this and I want to own this about myself and I don't want anyone chiming in on who I'm going to be. Do you have a funniest or most memorable moment from filming? Yes. Josh Zagura and Tatiana and I were in a scene where she's in her motion capture pajamas and the little rig that's like an alien on her head to make her look tall. And we were the background in a scene with very important characters. And we all just decided to dance, even though nobody was asking us to. And it was so fun. And then also Tatiana drew that scene for me and turned it into a t-shirt afterwards. Oh my God, that's precious. What are you most excited for everyone to see? Oh my goodness. I'm excited for them. I really love Selfishly, an episode where I get to hang out with Pug a lot. But I'm excited for them to see, you know, we are in a superhuman law division. So we are a little squad that works to represent superhumans. So that means that we get to, we are forced to sometimes legally represent superhuman characters that are in the comic books that have never been in the MCU. And some of them are very silly and may not listen to their attorneys. And it's so fun to see these idiots. You know, a lot of these superhumans are like, they're not all cool. They're not all villains. Some of them are just straight up 
idiots. And I love watching them ignore their attorney or listen to their attorney. And it's just, yeah. So I'm excited for people to see characters they haven't seen before splash in as guest stars. Well, all right. Thank you so much for this. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I am so excited for everyone else to see the show. And hopefully we can talk about Nikki again in the future. Thanks for having me. Bye. And there you have it. Go watch the first two episodes of Marvel Studios' She-Hulk Attorney at Law, now only on Disney+, Plus, with new episodes coming out on Thursdays. It is the best series ever created, in my humble opinion. So if you do not watch it, you are personally offending me. Wow. Um, because I love it so, 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 so much. Please don't be mean to Lorraine. Don't be mean to me. Watch the series. Honestly, I've said it once, and I'll say it again. This series was made for me personally. I feel like I was like, hey, can you make a show for me? And they said yes. And that is so nice. Good job, everybody. Next week, we are keeping the Marvel Studios train rolling here on the show. We're actually, we have this recurring series spotlighting the work done behind the scenes at Marvel Studios. And we are so thrilled because our guest next week is Andy Park, Director of Visual Development at Marvel Studios. Super terrific, wonderful dude. We got to talk to him about a whole bunch of fun stuff. So with that in mind, thinking about visual development and sort of they create the first looks for characters. They come up with a lot of the uh, concept art and stuff like that. So our question of the week for next week is, what is your favorite Marvel Studios costume? Oh, man, it's such a good question, you know, because they design the look of all of our favorite characters and especially their heroic looks. I mean, I think Vision is just such a cool design and like how he's been upgraded over the years and changed and had different looks has been really, really cool. I have a poster of Thanos and, you know, at first that that look for Thanos as someone who is Thanos is one of my favorite characters from since I was like 10 years old. I, I it took me a little while to get into that this version of Thanos with like that look but i now it's so perfect I, I look at it and i think the way that thanos has been created and depicted in the mcu is just so damn perfect he looks amazing so i think thanos is definitely up there for me also i have to say all three of the hero looks in marvel studios thor love and thunder the mm. new thor look when he like pimps out his outfit to be all cool when he sees jane he's like upgrade that look is so phenomenal jane's look is phenomenal valkyrie's look is phenomenal i really love all of those looks yeah the 1940s captain america suit oh, the like yeah. world war ii tactical suit i think is so cool and so like it is of the time and the material everything it looks like oh yeah he could wear that but it, it still retains the captain americanness of it all that one is always going to stick out to me. And let's not forget the Lycra USO show <laughs> costume, which also oh. is just excellent. <laughs> it's so great. But of course, tell us, what's your favorite Marvel Studios costume? There are so many to choose from, and you can tweet your answers using hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. You can email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com, or you could send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ThisWeekInMarvel. And of course, make sure to tell us if it's okay to read on the show so we can read it on the show like we're going to in our community section right now. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, because our question of the week last week was, what was your favorite moment from the first episode of Marvel Studios' She-Hulk Attorney at Law? 
end with that question of the week in mind, one of the things we're going to get into is some spoilers about this first episode of the series. So, spoiler warning ahead, we're going to talk about some things, not not anything like too deep, but we have to talk about the episode to talk about the episode. So if you haven't watched the first episode of Marvel Studios' She-Hulk Attorney at Law, go watch it and then come back. First up is Mike Laval at ValleyMike07, who said, Love seeing my favorite Marvel character since 1979, She-Hulk, come to life in live action at last. Especially liked the banter and fight between Jen and Bruce. Also, great to see a character from her first series, Dennis Buck Bukowski, make an appearance. Wow. Yeah, that's a good catch. We have Jamie at Variant underscore Hero, who said, Great name, by the way. I like how after Jen went to the bathroom and the other women saw her and stopped doing what they were doing to help her freshen up. It perfectly showed unity among women. Even when we don't know each other, we still help each other out. There is something really sacred about a woman's bathroom of just when you're in the ladies room, we're all in it to win it. We're all in it together. If you're in there, we're going to take care of you. It's good. (laughs) Up next is Laura Padilla at... Lapati2956, who says, when she scared the bejesus out of those three guys trying to pick her up outside the bar with her She-Hulk roar. I agree. Come on, those guys, ding-dongs. They deserved it. They deserve to be scared. They deserve to be yelled at. I wish so much, like if you were walking home late at night, it would be so great to just be like, somebody's being a weirdo. And then you could just be like, yeah. that would be 10 out of 10. Would love. Um Okay, next up, we've got Abs at Gamma Siblings, who says, Jennifer and Bruce's relationship was incredibly realistic, and the actors had great chemistry. I really did love their dynamic so much, because I love that, too, from the comics, is they're almost more like siblings, like they spend all their summers together, and they were super duper close growing up in the comics. And I really love how that translated into the show of them having like a very close, friendly, silly relationship. Yeah. Jay Knighton at Jay Ragon Knight tweeted, Hulk versus She-Hulk. Every family has had moments like that. It was very relatable. I hope you're not like throwing your cousin off a cliff. Yeah, please don't do that. Anyways, moving on. No, at Huffelstein said, my favorite moment is when Jen talks about the control of her anger and what she went through. I'm happy to have seen this topic explained without being afraid to open your mouth and fight for rights. Jennifer is clearly the superhero the world needs. Love it. Sampada Moge Pande at Sampada Moge says, when Jen explains to Bruce why she's able to control her anger, it resonates so much. Mm-hmm. Doing that emotional work. Sean Anderson at SJ Anderson 71 said, I love when she explained that she was so much better at controlling her rage and fear because as a woman, she had to do it all the time. <laughs> Dudes out there, maybe listen to all this stuff. Mick Mick at Mikachu tweeted, my favorite moment is when Nikki reminded Jen of her shoes before turning into She-Hulk and when she prepared it for Jen after. Everybody needs a Nikki in their lives. Oh, that would piss me off so bad if every time I like, you hulk out you like oh i ruined a pair of shoes again oh that would be the worst i wanted her to take off her jacket too because it looked like a nice jacket i know time to invest in a lot of spandex mm-hmm. all right next up we got bgyo text athan at bgyo athan who said her bestie telling her to do the thing during the attack in court and helping her with her shoes that's me should have taken off her jacket though <laughs> Can't lose a good jacket. See? I didn't even read that one beforehand. I just, we're on the same page, BGYO text, Ethan. 
AJ at based underscore Marvel tweeted when we saw TS and BB carved into the bar table because feels sobbing emoji. Yes, TS and BB obviously standing for Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and how they put that all together. Oh my God, so good. I love that moment where he's like <laughs> talking about how Tony just complained about Cap a lot because everybody forgets they had a civil war. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they really had a big fight. All right, next up, Jonathan Crow at Scimitar100 says, knowing that Steve Rogers' star-spangled booty was well taken care of has just put my mind the most at ease it has ever been. Well said. <laughs> and Dave DeSilva at Dave underscore DSG just tweeted, Captain America, fuck. And then uh, if you have seen the, la- the end of the series, we're just saying what they say in the series. Yeah. The first time I watched that, I was in tears. Tears. This show is, like I said, it's written for me. All right. Next up, we got an email here from JC who says, Hi, Ryan and Lorraine. Loving the show and you guys. My favorite thing about the first episode of Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law was the relationship between Jen and Bruce. It was funny and felt genuine. I also just love the premise of this show. It's just as solid as the comic. The idea of a lawyer representing superheroes is funny because you never think of how much property damage these heroes probably <laughs> cause. Ha ha. Keep on being awesome. Thanks again, JC. Yeah. When I saw the Chitari like flying through office buildings in Marvel Studios, the Avengers, and just like crushing everything, I was just like, God, can you imagine? It's so hard to get your sink fixed in a Manhattan apartment. Like, what are you going to do? That's awful. That is years of renovation and years of trying to get permits. Nightmare. It's a boon for contractors and utility people. Damage control. Man, (laughs) oof. All right, we got an email here from Antonio that says, as a lawyer, I love a good lawyer show and Marvel Studios She-Hulk, Attorney at Law is shaping up to be a great one. But what I loved about the first episode was the balance between old and new, with Banner seeming to pass the Hulk torch to Walters, while also not shutting up about his Avengers pals, and Jen playing the part of the audience, simultaneously rolling our eyes, while also begging for more gossip. Out of all of the Avengers nostalgia, I think my favorite part was the literal one second worth of the Avengers theme played as Jen walked by Iron Man's helmet. (laughs) It's iconic and instantly recognizable, and especially with Jen breaking the fourth wall, I like to think that the theme was running through the character's head, too. Another thing I love about the show is how excited Lorraine has been about it. The excitement is contagious. Uh, (laughs) um, I greatly appreciate this. Also, such a good ear, uh, such a good call on the Iron Man helmet moment. That's a really good catch. I can't help it. I love this show so much. And honestly, She-Hulk is one of my all-time favorite characters, if not my all-time favorite character. We love a muscle lady. We love a smart lady. Jennifer Walters is all good things. We love it. We got an email here from Joe Hoffman, who says, Hi, Ryan and Lorraine. I hope this email finds you both well. I'm a longtime listener to This Week in Marvel. I always listen to your show on Mondays, as it really helps me start off the work week with my work from home job. But this is my first time answering one of your questions of the week. My favorite part of this first episode of Marvel Studios' She-Hulk Attorney at Law, besides everything, was the time (laughs) Jen spent hanging out with her cousin Bruce, learning how to be a Hulk. I thought those scenes were really sweet, and they reminded me a lot of me hanging out with one of my female cousins when I was growing up, as we were really close then. 
Thanks for putting on this awesome podcast as I look forward to listening to it every week. Much love to you both. And Joe also says, Ryan, thanks for reading my recent email on Marvel's pull list. It meant a lot to be able to put Kansas on the map for the United States of pull list. For those listening who don't listen to Marvel's pull list, we are gathering a United States of pull list. We want to hear every comic book shop that you go to in these United States and beyond. We have some in France and Canada. We want to know what comic shops you go to. We actually have a map that my co-host Jasmine is uh, marking off and putting together a whole spreadsheet of all the comic shops, which is really, it's super, super fun. Joe, if you are able, for whatever reason, maybe you're not, but if you are able, maybe send a message to your cousin and say, hey, you should watch Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Reminds me of our time growing up together. It'd be really sweet. It's always yeah. a good way to reconnect. I just reconnected with my childhood best friend, and we're hopefully going to get together and, and our kids are going to hang out. And it wasn't because of great circumstances, but it was it was fun. So always find ways to find those people in your lives that mean something to you. All right. Next up, we got an email from Grayson Woznesensky, who said, my favorite part was Captain America. Smiley face. Everything else is the wrong answer. <laughs> Update. <laughs> Still haven't checked out Alpha Flight, but read all of Ryan North's Squirrel Girl comics, as well as read some of the new Wolverine comics. Mm-hmm. Grayson, we're so happy to hear you're continuing your comic book journey. Yeah, please let us know. Get on that Alpha Flight train. It's going to be fun. We have an email from Henrik Hansen who says, My favorite part of the Marvel Studios She-Hulk Attorney at Law premiere was the brilliant rapport between Jennifer and Bruce. The love, the rivalry, the fighting, the drinking. It was rich and nuanced. I cared about them because they cared so much about each other. Also, it was great to get some gaps in Bruce's history filled in. I don't know how much more we will see them together in this series, but it was an excellent starting point. Keep on rocking, you two. I love your show. Henrik from Maidstone, UK. Heck yeah. All right. Next up, we got an email from Alex Smith. Lorraine and Ryan, my favorite part of episode one is the same as Lorraine's, but for a slightly different reason. During the scene in the bathroom where the women come to Jennifer's rescue, one of them saying something to the effect of, if he does this, he doesn't love you, followed by or she or they. (laughs) This is obviously an important scene for many reasons, but this email is already long. As a queer person, I'm always excited to see representation, but as someone who is non-binary, it's very rare. The or they was just two small words, but it meant so much. I think it's a great example of how inclusive Marvel is with its LGBTQ plus fans. Also, I'm glad they kept her gorgeous post-transformation hair. (laughs) Thanks for the great podcast. Looking forward to next week. Oh, I love that, Alec. Thank you for sharing that. Wonderful email, Alec. Thank you. We got a great email from Kevin Helfman. We heard from Kevin a couple months ago. And Kevin, I still owe you some stuff for your students. Kevin says, greetings to all the wonderful behind the scenes twim crew. Thank you for making a brilliant podcast. I am so excited for the new school year to begin that I wanted to share some updates on the Marvel Lit class I will be teaching for the first time. Firstly, all the reading recommendations you guys gave are amazing. I am so excited for students to read about Laura Kinney when She-Hulk becomes gray, and learn more about Wanda's grief. As I am putting my unit plans together, it got me thinking, if you were to do a reading club with high school students, what would you choose and why? If you'd like to check out my curriculum plan, Kevin attached it to our email. I looked at that a bit. And if we have any feedback, questions, ideas, we can send them to Kevin. I might do so. Kevin says, eat nuts, kick butts, which is a great PS to sign off a letter with, no matter what. Kevin, that's a great question what we would do a reading club with. 
for students. Honestly, after rereading Spidey just this past week, I would say Spidey. It's just S-P-I-D-E-Y is the title of the series. It is Peter Parker in high school. So you get some lot of relatability for kids in school. There's stuff like how he's great in some subjects and not in others and how he sort of works through that with some other kids and how that like his relationships go, his family life, balancing work and school and love and all these different things. It is incredibly relatable. Also, it is a perfect comic book series. Let me reiterate. Whoa. It is a perfect comic book series. <laughs> Spidey is perfect. Go read it. That should be that would be my reading club with the kids. I think, you know, for high school kids, I would probably do a Kieran Gill and Jamie McKelvey Young Avengers run. Oh, I think yeah. it does a great job of navigating complicated teenage friendships as well as sort of romantic relationships within your friend group as well as dealing with parents and and just sort of like a lot of angsty teenagers but also like cool and fashionable and I don't know, it's a great series for folks of any age, but I think it would really resonate well with high school kids and sort of what it's like to be that age. So that's my rec. Also, the um, Rainbow Rowell's Runaways. Oh, also yeah. Damn near perfect. So, Kevin, hopefully you can find ways to include those, and I will be sending you an email separately. Thank you all for contributing and sending us your, your tweets and your emails and stuff. We really appreciate it. It means a lot. And we did it. Thank you for hanging to the end. And just as promised, we are giving you that Marvel Insider code. So let's do it. Yeah, it is TWIM26. That is T-W-I-M-2-6. The code is valid until September 2nd, 2022 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. And when you use this code at marvel.com slash insider, you will receive five thousand marvel insider points Woo! it's Woo. you, you got to enter it into the this week in marvel podcast code redeem activity over there there is a limited number of redemptions available one redemption code per marvel insider and of course marvel insider is open to u.s residents 18 years of age and older only terms apply go get your points and if you want to share it with people, tell them that it's in the episode, but don't tell them where. Make them listen to it. Make them work for it. Don't give them the code. Make them find it themselves. Yeah, that's right. It's just for you insiders here on the uh, This Week of Marvel podcast. And 5,000 points? That's a lot of points. That's a spicy meatball. It takes a long time to rack up that many points. So go grab it, enjoy it, get something cool from Insider on us. And that's it for us. This episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Zachary Goldberg, Isabel Robertson, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our senior manager of audio production and development is Brad Barton. Hi, Brad. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Hi, Jill. And special thanks to Captain America's protective gear. Captain America's protective gear. Stay safe out there, America. Wear a hat. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe. She's officially a Decepticon kitty cat. <laughs>